1: just outside of New York City, and from Ireland, Europe, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother?
0: From Ennis County, Clare, to be exact. And uh, from 3 a.m. in the morning.
1: Yep. Look at you. Look at me. Look at him. If J.J. is speaking in hushed tones during this podcast, you'll have to forgive him. He, it's 3 a.m. where he is, so he's a, he's a warrior for doing this, and he's in a house with other people. Yeah, my uh, so, I'm in
0: my sister's place, um, and let's just say we have a good relationship, but waking her would be bad.
1: Right. You want to keep it good.
0: Yeah. And and you know what, Andrew? Maybe some people find me speaking in these low, hushed tones kind of erotic. That's got to be the hope.
1: No, they don't. I've heard. I've heard from the people. They're, they're repulsed by it. Um, <laughs> it's the anti-aphrodisiac for most people. Um, how was your Christmas, JJ? Was um, it nice?
0: The Christmas season is is ongoing. It's been fabulous. Um, so I drove my parents down to to my aforementioned sisters and uh, brother in laws in County Clare. Um, so so this is like a honey a honey trap, a a basically a yank trap. This is your yank tourist trap. They've got the Cliffs of Moher, which, I mean. Americans just love it. They've got the burn, which is the karst limestone.
1: Um, Don't make us sound like we're a bunch of rubes. No, but enjoying the cliffs. They're beautiful. They're incredible. Right.
0: But I mean, you ask any American, what, what did you love? Where, or where do you want to go in Ireland? And they will say County Clare, Cliffs of Moher. And I I don't blame them. We were out in La Hinch today, Andrew, and we walked along the beach, a bracing walk, I would say. Um, Beautiful views, um, then rain because you must have that it, the rain has been I mean they're trolling me now with the raining it's it's too much um, and then we grabbed two pints two of the creamiest pints of Guinness <laughs> and then um, we watched uh, Boxing Day or St. Stephen's Day football which I must say I know it's not ideal the deal with NBC I get that We've gone through it. You know, you gotta go to Peacock, you gotta go here, you gotta go there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't have to go to as many places as they do here. It it do, it's more it's definitely more broken up here now than it than it ever was before. So Amazon are showing a few games, Premier Sports in Ireland, BT Sports in England have a game, and then Sky. Now Sky have most of the games going forward, but if it's not your team, it's it's still split up a little bit. Um, yeah. So it's kind of tricky. And of course, the blackouts. I didn't see any 3 p.m. games. So I saw one full match today and the rest was on the iconic Match of the Day highlights program. So guys, if I'm missing anything, please, at COSoccerPod on Twitter, CutOffSidePod on ESPN and help me fill in the gaps because um, it's, it's, it's just different here with the, without the NBC package.
1: Yeah, NBC, it's interesting. Like, I think... 10 years from now it'll be viewed differently than the way it is now the problem with nbc is that they spoiled us like so we got used to having all of it for free um and then with peacock you know it, it changed things but the bottom line is everything if you want it to be every single thing is available to you fairly easily um we just got spoiled by the you know the first several years of their coverage but yeah they're they're excellent they do a great job um a couple things for me that I, I thought you would find funny, and then we'll get into some of the Boxing Day stuff. For one, for Hanukkah, I wonder what you make of, <laughs> of the subtle message that was being sent my way. So my parents got uh, Luke, you know, like the Hess toy truck. Like that's like an annual tradition. Like Hess puts out their truck yeah. each year. So they got it, they got it for Luke one night for Hanukkah, and um, you know, so I, he opened it, and played with it like as children do and my mom said to me she's like oh did you throw the box away i said well yeah we don't need it anymore she said oh well these are collector's items so i thought maybe you should save the box so it would be worth something and i was thinking oh yeah oh well but like in my head i'm like if we're getting to a place where i need to start pawning off my son's toys like <laughs> bigger problems have, have <laughs> come about like <laughs> like let and then throwing away the, the damn box of the Hestoy truck. But, but, and then the other thing... Sorry,
0: that, but parents do get to yeah. a point in their lives, and maybe we'll get there too, where the, those kind of thoughts straight away come into their mind, like down the line, ooh, that, that might have resale value.
1: Yeah, well, I did say to her, I said, don't worry about it. I don't think we're going to be trading the Hestoy truck in for money, all right? <laughs> like, it's okay. We'll throw the box away. Um, and then the other thing, I didn't, I know, I don't know that I told you this, but you know, we have a nice TV that was like my big gift to myself when I, we moved into our new house and um within the first 6 months it broke and i but it was still under warranty so i got another one to replace it from samsung samsung i'm going to keep saying their name um and then that one the replacement one also just broke so this is twice in the first 3 years this product big black streaks down the the front of the tv both times same problem this time out of warranty talked to the people on the phone for an hour um, they basically, finally I got them to a place to just tell me, yeah, it's, it's worth it for you to just buy a new TV than, than having it repaired. That would cost more money. It's a, it, infuriating. So anyway, the part that I thought you would find funny, I had no choice. I had to go out and get a new, te- a new television. And so in my old TV's final act of vengeance, JJ, um, it's about, se- I think I, I think I saw online, it's like 70 pounds roughly, but I was like, I can move this. Like, it's all right. I don't need help. Oh, so no. we're just taking it, taking it into the basement to kind of store it until we're going to just get rid of it. Um, and I'm going down the stairs and I slipped and I fell down the last stair and the TV landed on me. <laughs> And I, and so I, it scared the hell out of me. And I, Amanda heard it; she heard the commotion. And so there's me from the bottom of the stairs with the TV on me, on my back. And she said, "What happened?" What happened? And I'm just shouting up to her, "I fell! I fell!" <laughs> <laughs> oh my pathetic, god! The most pathetic sight. Now I was well, ultimately okay, you... although I did hurt my leg, but I'm fine. <laughs> oh
0: god did she take a picture
1: no it it was it was no it wasn't the moment for my uh, it felt serious in the moment
0: oh you flailing with your arms underneath
1: the tv see like a crab that had been turned upside down (laughs)
0: like a beetle (laughs) oh god i fell oh and and look people on the podcast have our hardcore listeners have long known that i have a fantasy about you a recurring thought That just gives me laughter. It's of you just (laughs) falling over. This is why I told you. And using a life alarm to contact. (laughs) I've fallen and I can't get up. Oh, God. Oh, I I won't be able to continue. I'm going to get sick from laughing.
1: This is why I told you. (gasps) I knew you, of anyone, would appreciate it. Uh, JJ, Boxing Day, the Premier League has returned. He's still laughing. He's still laughing.
0: Stop. Stop. These legs just. Oh! Amanda, I had an accident. All right, I'll stop. i stop. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm. <laughs> now I'm imagining your face as you fall.
1: The horror in my eyes. I thought I was going to die. People die like that.
0: Yeah, but imagine me. Imagine the rabbi calling me up because I get called up surely to give a speech.
1: You got a chance. Oh, I, sure. I'm
0: up there. I'm top five. Got to be. <laughs> and and then me, your parents in, and your sister in complete anguish. And I just burst out laughing.
1: <laughs> yeah. You'd be escorted right out of there. You can't have that.
0: Andrew made the move to television. And he died under a television. <laughs> it's what he would have wanted. <laughs> okay, gotta stop. I'll um, stop, I'll stop, I'll stop. All right.
1: Uh, the Premier League return, JJ. Obviously, we have been in such a World Cup mind frame for the last six to eight weeks. Um, did it feel weird? Or did you feel like you seamlessly just kind of like rolled right back into it like the World Cup was just a dream?
0: Uh, it felt so weird. And, um, you know, I, my brother-in-law, Owen, and he turns around to me at halftime in the Liverpool game, just as half time's approaching, he goes, plus three minutes. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Um, you know, the old familiar rhythms came back in. Um, you know, <clears throat> watching, watching certain players, you know, Aston Villa's ground. There's Villa Park. They play soccer there. Uh, getting abused and called a knob. By someone on Twitter of an opposition, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Lovely, lovely. The, nature is healing.
1: Yes, yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, It was a little bit weird. I don't know why, but it just felt weird. Like watching Liverpool, um, I was like, oh yeah, Mo Salah. Like, that's right. He's also a great player. Like all these guys who weren't a part of the World Cup. Just like they, it's amazing how quickly they just like disappeared from my mind. Like they're not even an entity. Like Erling Holland, right?
0: James yeah, right. Ward, He's one of the
1: best players in the world. James
0: Ward Prowse, who is the yeah. manager of Southampton. Lapetegi at Wolves. What is going on? Oh yeah, yeah. De He's the manager of Brighton. And Zito, who uh, I think. He's going to be a guy who features regularly in Twitter section segments on this podcast because I think we both really like him. Um, Zita Madu tweeted, going from that World Cup back to Premier League so quick is destabilizing. Feels like spending a month of fun with the love of your life and then waking up to your regular family. Now I have to remember <laughs> the names of these kids again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's bad. It's in some ways like, you know, It's kind of cool. Like, you're still riding this wave of of enthusiasm from a World Cup, and normally there'd be kind of a month of just like, well, now what? This is one where the World Cup ends, and we're right back into this, which is great. But I don't know. I just... Weird is the only word I can use to describe it. Sky Sports
0: needed it so badly. Let me tell you guys, cricket ain't cutting it. Every other sport Mm -hmm. that they pretend isn't propping them up. You know, the Premier League is just their absolute... Tent pole. It keeps everything. Oh, and um, and so you could see them kind of repeating things so much and like scraping for news. They needed the content. They needed this, and it's back now. And I, I'm pleased for them. I'm pleased yeah. for all um, of them,
1: and all of us as well. Because uh, while it might feel weird at first, I find that we're going to seamlessly flow right back into this thing. And for all the people who are kind of new to this podcast, who maybe kind of hooked on to us during the U.S. is running the World Cup or Argentina or whoever. Um, if, if you've decided to stay with us, first off, thank you. You will not regret it. And second of all, I think you'll come to find that we devote as much or more heart and energy and attention to this league than we do anything else. So um, I hope you'll enjoy it and I hope you'll uh, you'll find that. Um, to be a a fun side of this podcast. So we'll go through now some of the marquee games, JJ, but like, as we do, yeah, of course, a little bit of, it'll be breakdown of these games. Cause there were a lot of really fun games, really entertaining games already right back into it today. But some of it too, I might kind of like think about, okay, we've had this, this little break in the season, the outlook on some of these teams as we kind of roll, um, into I would say the second half, but it's really not. They've only played 14, 15, 16 games, so there's still more than half of the season still to come. But this just felt like kind of like a halfway point, taking a deep breath sort of thing. Uh, where do you want to start, JJ? you want to start at the Emirates with uh, with Arsenal? L-
0: listen, we know how the Arsenal fans are, and we know that they are, as much as we love them, a sensitive bunch. If we didn't start at the Emirates, I think we'd be in trouble.
1: That makes sense. Top of the table, top of the podcast. I think that's a, a fair way... To look at it, JJ, they they go down a goal to West Ham, but then they storm back uh, with three unanswered, and they win at 3-1, and they begin the second portion of the season, much like the way they ended the first, and that is winning, lots and lots of winning going on there in the red section of North London, JJ. They are are doing things. So what is it now? It's 13 wins from 15 matches, if I have it right. Um, I believe going into this break, they had won 12 of their first 14 games, and I think the statistic is... Anyone who has ever done that has gone on to win the league. Correct. Now there's still this. I don't. We maybe uh, I'll speak for myself. Look, I have fully jumped on board with the with the idea, with the reality that they could go on and do this thing. Um, I I think that that is distinctly possible. But uh, there's still going to be part of me that's going to have to see them do it to believe it. Just because we're in this era of Manchester City and Liverpool, where we just I don't know inherently my brain just goes to those teams. When I think about okay, well, who are my true title contenders? They've just proven it in a way that other teams have not. Um, but Arsenal are starting to—they're starting to reach certain benchmarks. You know, the statistic that I just threw out there: teams top of the table at Christmas, things like that. Um, they're starting to reach some of these benchmarks where they're—they're they're forcing you to believe that that this is truly possible. And they've started once again here on Boxing Day. Um, hammering that thought home into people's minds once more.
0: Yeah, and and, you know, there is a lot of people, not a lot of them Arsenal fans, waiting for this thing to fall apart. So uh, being back in Ireland um, is good because you get to go to the bar and you get to talk to Premier League supporters of all various colours and creeds. And uh, I was talking to a few Arsenal fans who would be in their mid-40s, so they saw the Invincibles, they saw the good times, they remember the nineties as well with George Graham and they were so freaked out talking to them yesterday about you know or talking to them, excuse me, on Christmas Eve about uh Gabriel Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so it's really reassuring that you can have those three players, Inketia Saka and uh Martinelli, score those goals. It's really reassuring to be one nil down at half time and go on and win the game. These are the things that Arsenal, we don't associate with the the late Wenger period and the early Arteta period. So this is really good. Um, And Odegaard today was brilliant, Andrew. They generally looked miles better than West Ham. Uh, David Moyes said West Ham weren't at it and they weren't apart from the goal. And it was was a penalty. Uh, Saliba catching uh, Jared Bowen. But there's something reassuring about Arsenal that it's not going to reassure Arsenal fans. It, it just won't. They'll be nervous and I totally understand that. But um Arsenal look like the real deal. And I think I don't think they'll win it and it won't because they're not won't be because they're not good. It's because of Manchester City.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that they're probably there's still a lot of people out there who feel that way. Um, now, they are giving themselves a little bit of a cushion. Like, that's the thing is, you know, there's they developed a little bit of, a, of room for error. Having said that, there's still so much of the season to play that it's it's hard to start looking at that. And, think. you know, Man City could make up a point differential in the blink of an eye. We've seen that happen before. So, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to get a little bit deeper into the season for me to start looking at cushions and starting to take that kind of thing seriously. It's interesting, though, JJ, with Arsenal, um, you know, I, I think about teams in this league that win titles, and I think of it really in any sport, and one of the things I think about with those teams are okay, who are the statue guys? Like, and by that I mean when a team wins a championship, oftentimes there's someone who gets immortalized out in front of that stadium in statue form. You know, with Man City, there's any number of guys that you could point to who would who would occupy that De Bruyne. Who you know, we could go through it. Uh, with your Liverpool side, Mo Salah is certainly that guy. This Arsenal team, like, I don't. Know, I guess maybe Bukayo Saka. Yeah um i I guess he would be it but it doesn't feel like there's a clear guy and maybe that's one of the good things about them is that there's just general depth across that team um but that's just one of the things that i've i've found interesting maybe arsenal fans will correct me and say it's absolutely saka what are you talking about it's not even a question um but right now i don't know that there's necessarily one guy who jumps out to me as the guy who you know would would sort of occupy that role
0: i know and it's it's because we're probably at the start of something for Arsenal, or what what Arsenal fans hope to be the start. Um, it's three years to the day since Mikel Arteta took over, and it was interesting to listen to David Moyes speak in the in the pregame and talk about, you know, how he he felt he saw this coming. He saw the development of Martinelli. He saw the development of Eddie Nketiah, who scored a brilliant goal tonight. Such a sharp turn and a great finish, um, and he saw them coming down the line, and he he was he basically said when was the best time to play Arsenal three years ago because he really thinks Arteta has been building this. So mm-hmm. we're talking about statue guys. It's too early. It's really too early. Um,
1: maybe he's it. Arteta. Maybe he's no. Yeah. Maybe he's the statue.
0: It's so you know what. There's a lot of people, including Arsenal fans, will turn off right now because we're talking about statues and stuff. Like, it, like this is. <laughs> oh, I, come on, this is fun. No, but I know what you mean. But I think what you've done will enrage people. Um, can we find a better word than statue guy? Marquee guy. Statue. <laughs> statue. You can't um, talk about statues. You can't. Um,
1: I think the 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 thing with Arteta that I think. Look, I have said. Um, Putting my Tottenham sensibilities aside, I was able to kind of, I think, without bias and objectively watch All or Nothing Arsenal. And I, I have said repeatedly that, like watching him in that show, yes, there were certain little bits and things that he did that that were swings and misses. But I watched that show and thought I'd play for that guy. I would, I would play hard for that guy.
0: Oh, you love that. And so guy. I,
1: I do think that that show, like. You know, we, we can sometimes say, I, I don't know that they give us the, the exact type of access we want. It's not as raw as we want. But you get a sense of what's going on behind closed doors. You may not get 100 percent sense, but you get a sense of what's going on. And I think watching that show, it, it gave us a glimpse that there was there was a real positive energy going on behind those walls. Um, do, you, do you feel so maybe, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that it's that it's materialize this quickly like i thought maybe they could take like they didn't qualify for champions league last year i thought maybe it could be okay the next step would be they finish third you know they, they get a champions league place comfortably in the end that is maybe what will happen but i did not think that we'd be at this point where we're talking about them as as true contenders to manchester city's crown no
0: they've been very good and, and they continue to be good and they continue to find to find goals from beyond the guy that initially had that flurry of goals at the start of the season and we thought Jesus would be the man and we thought can they survive without him well that was a good start at least to the second part of the season.
1: Yeah and you know last bit on them and him specifically Gabriel Jesus I wonder if it helps them a little bit look he's out now that's a blow certainly at some point goals might dry up they might have a hard time scoring they might have to rely on defending a little bit more um but remember for however great his start was for Arsenal it had been a while since he had scored a goal for them. Sure. I mean, so I wonder, but they continued to win. So I wonder if maybe that dry spell and now him being out of the lineup for the next couple months, um, if maybe they, they can sort of take some confidence from what they were able to do prior uh, to the World Cup break when they were winning games without him scoring goals and think, okay, well, you know, we, we know we're still good. You know, we may not have this guy who was our our great signing during the last summer's transfer window, but we can we we know we can still win if he's not here, if he's not playing at his best. We, we're more than just him, uh. So you know, maybe that's that's a little bit of what we're seeing.
0: I think so, and I, I mean, I, I wouldn't underestimate the things he did outside of scoring goals, which was which was important sure. to the team too. But again, like I said, the reassurance of being able to get goals when he's not there is 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 pretty good. So I, I would have a word for West Ham, though. They got kind of got bullied in this game. They were not very good.
1: Uh, no, they did lead at the half.
0: Yeah, but I, it's, I mean, you you really didn't hear any of that coming from David Moyes. You know, there was there was very few excuses about his performance, and, and he barely mentioned the fact they were 1-0 up at halftime.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm just thinking about Arteta being three years. It's amazing, JJ, how close. I mean, that guy was close. It felt like a couple times to losing his job, but uh, he made it to the three-year mark, so
0: definitely, props to him. Definitely, and, and maybe it maybe shows some value and persistence, but where were they going to go next? Honestly, like...
1: I I, yeah, I don't I, who I, knows I don't know that that always stops a team from making a, a managerial move. It doesn't
0: but I'm 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 glad Edu it, 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 it and and the guys running it kind of kind of saw something in it and yep. um, and were willing to do what like you said lots and lots of clubs don't do and, and and persevere.
1: Let's go to the other North London club right now JJ's Tottenham they were in Brentford on Boxing Day 2-2. If this was not the ultimate carbon copy of every match Tottenham has played so far this season, then I don't know what is, I don't know what their problem is. I don't know why it needs to be this way. Um, like if you didn't watch the game today and I said it finished 2-2 Tottenham and Brentford, I think everyone listening to this podcast would say, oh, Brentford probably took a two goal lead and Tottenham probably stormed back in the second half to tie it and then fought hard for a third, but couldn't get it. I mean, it's, it's every week. It's like, like I've said a million times, it's like the World Cup never happened. It was all just a dream, and we're right back into it. I've seen this game fourteen other times this season.
0: Can I borrow heavily from BBC Match of the Day, Andrew, and a graphic that they put up, which you know Please. really encapsulates that? So it, it was it was titled Two Sides of Tottenham." Um, so. Today versus Brentford, first 60 minutes, they had six shots. In the last 30 minutes, they had 10. In the first 60 minutes, they had three shots on target. In the last 30 minutes, they had five. Their expected goals went from, in the first hour, 0.24 to 1.01 in the last 30 minutes. And their possession went from 59% to 65%. I think the expected goals is the real one right there. Um, and the uptick in shots too. I no nobody was able to give. Um, Alan Shearer and Dion Dublin were on the panel, and I, I was really curious to see what they would give um, for the reasons for this Jekyll and Hyde uh, kind of team within games. They didn't really give anything. It's
1: because it's unexplainable.
0: It's it's infuriating. Um, and this is this is the part of the season where I know Miguel Delaney had this kind of theory. And he even admitted it wasn't based on a whole lot, but that Conte was managing this team, you know, managing them because he knew after the world cup, there'd be a, a run down the straight and that they needed to go. That, um that flew out the window today in, in Brentford. Yeah, and I don't I even mean, know how you do that within a game. Hey not guys,
1: right. Like, hey guys, but don't play hard for 60 minutes, then play the hardest you've ever played
0: like I mean
1: look I understand that there's a rhythm to a game that you'll okay you'll yeah. press for a little bit you can't play that way an entire match and your guys will, will die on the field like you can't you can't give that much energy for 90 minutes so I understand the way that that stuff works but this consistency with which they start first half so so poorly
0: but there's uh, I, mean, I don't
1: think it's that they don't try hard like no. it's not that kind of team that's complacent it's not like that I don't I'm done trying to come up with explanations I don't know how you explain it it's it's very strange but it's clearly baked if we could go six weeks without them playing come right back into it and they do the same exact thing again like it's baked into the dna of this club right now i don't know how you you break out of it it's it's incredibly weird yeah
0: brentford were the better team overall and you know in a way it's kind of a kind of a really good result for spurs i think to come away with. well
1: yes and no i mean look they're they're they want a battle for a Champions League place. Liverpool are going to be hot on their heels. Manchester United are hot on their heels. Um, so, you know, with Newcastle's injection into the top four, like, it's it's going to be hard for them. So, a 2-2 draw, I don't care if it's on the road at Brentford. That's, that for a team like Tottenham, that's not good enough. That's not a good but, result. But considering it's a good the- result because they were down two goals. Correct. In, in that way, sure. But you could look at it. Look, Tottenham, they went down two. Uh... And then, in the blink of an eye, within six minutes, the 65th and 71st, they tie it. That's now, they got 20-plus minutes okay. to go on and win the thing. Uh, with all the momentum, with Brentford, you think, starting to tire. And they had their chances. I mean, they, they had some great chances near the end of this game. Um, you know, uh, Who was it? Sun hit, or Harry Kane hit the crossbar. Uh, they had a great chance at, near the end of stoppage time in the 95th. I mean, they had multiple chances, so once they scored that tying goal in the, in the 71st you think okay go on and win it now a, a draw is not enough and they couldn't do it so i don't know there's i see what you're saying when you're down two goals in a game and you get a point out of it, it yes that's something but there are not there are not many ways in which i can look at this in a positive um with a in a positive light um what a, know, some of the things some of the things you see like you know I wonder how much the Bentoncore injury, while he was on World Cup duty, I don't think it's a serious one. I, I have to double check and see when what the prognosis of when he'll be back is. But I mean, there's a there's a drop off there. There just is from him to Basuma. I know that was a big signing for Tottenham over the summer, but Bentoncore has been uh, you could you can make a case he's been their best player so far this year. Um, that that hurts them. Him not being there. Um, you know. Then you look at things like look I. I through all the posi- his position changes, will he go to Man United? Will he not? I know you've had your stance on Eric Dyer for quite some time. You kind of have the whole like, what exactly is he good at? Stance, and I, there are times when I get that. But overall, I've supported that guy. I think he, uh, I think he changed positions and he's become a really. You know, he was just a, he didn't start, but he he's made himself into a national team player for England at center back. That's not his true position. That's admirable to me. But that second goal, I mean, well, I. When he mishits that ball and oh. it goes out for a corner, you're just praying. You're just saying, "Don't let them score here." It's it would not be it's not fair to that poor guy if they score here, and they do. And it's just like God, God Almighty. Like the the, the ways in which this team sometimes burns themselves, it's it's maddening. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how I, if I'm looking at second half of the season storylines, like that's that's it for them. Is just you know. I guess two things. At what point will they snap out of this first half malaise that they cannot seem to snap out of? It can't be like this the whole season. It just can't, right? Like, at some point, something's going to have to change. I don't know what, but so when will they snap out of that? And then the other one that's interesting to me is Sun. You know, because last year, last season, he was spectacular. Co-golden boot winner with Salah. A huge reason Tottenham was able to qualify for top four. And this season, he has not been that. And I'm just wondering, OK, well, if at a certain point he clicks back into being the Hyungmin son that we know and that we've seen in the last few seasons, well then, OK, maybe this team switches back on and, and rises up the table once again. But, um, you know, at a certain point, I don't know, like they they have, we'll see when Richarlison is back as well, but they have options up now, uh, up front now. You know, you know what I think of Kulisevsky. He's got to play. If he's healthy, he's got to play. Had another assist today. I mean, he's either a goal or assist every week, it feels like. He's got to be in there. If Sun's not performing, you know Kane's not going anywhere. It's it's not going to be Rashard or Kulisevsky. If Sun doesn't perform, you know, I know he's done great things for the club, but they have options. So I'll be interested to see that. I love the guy. Uh, he's one of my all-time favorite players, unquestionably. Um, but if, if the performances aren't there, then Conte's going to be forced into making some difficult decisions. So we'll see. We can't. We can't
0: leave this game without just briefly mentioning the two worst dives that the the league has seen so far. So, so Doherty's dive was one of those where Spurs are chasing the game, and you're like, "What are you doing? Just you know, play that ball back out or try and turn." But like, why are you diving there? Yeah. And then even more outrageous, like several degrees worse was in Buemo's dive where he he literally flung his two feet into Fraser Forster to try and make it look like a penalty like sickening stuff and Forster played that so well um
1: yeah he did and you can uh, with with stuff like that you can usually tell by the player's reaction who did it like if he if he throws his arms up in the air and goes crazy, then chances are I, I think he he's got a case. But when when Mbwemo has no appeal whatsoever uh, to the referee, you kind of know oh well something something's <clears throat> clearly up here. Then you see the replays and it's like oh my this is
0: yeah I mean it, it was there's initiating the contact there's what Vardy used to do, um, and then there's this this is a whole another level like. Yeah. And Vardy what was the term invited the contact hey contact come over here um, this was like
1: There's, a, I mean there's a little bit of an art form to being able to do that without it being a dive
0: this was not it
1: no this, no, this was not there was nothing artistic <laughs> about, about that but look this is we can bemoan certain elements of VAR certainly but this is where it works like because there are referees who will be fooled by that um but in a var reality you can you won't be that'll never work again uh and that's that's a good thing um but yeah ultimately uh, i guess it's a good re- is it a good result for brentford jj they're up two goals they don't win but it is tottenham um i th- I, th- I think it's <laughs> hmm.
0: i don't know i mean I know thomas frank at the end of the game was like he did the full football was the winner kind of thing He was like, what a great game to welcome back the Premier League. Like he was some hype man.
1: It's like uh, Conte Frank is the new uh, Pep Klopp. Just, you know, you know their buddy-buddiness after their games. Look at what we're doing. We're so good for the sport. Everyone wants to be us. Oh,
0: the smelling of the farts. Yeah, definitely. Yes, yes. Yeah, the inhaling of the farts. Yeah. No, Frank was just enthused. Um, Yeah, he didn't seem upset, and I guess... I guess it's fine. Brentford are sit comfortably in 10th. It's it's
1: okay. suppose, uh, suppose you're right. It's okay. We'll settle on that. Um, uh, JJ, let's go to Villa Park. Uh, another interesting one. Aston Villa and Liverpool 3-1. Liverpool victorious to begin, um, their second portion of the season. Uh, a fun game. A fun game. Were you able to, to take this one in with your dad?
0: Yeah. Went to the bar. I watched it with my dad. Um, Nice. A few pints, very nice, very very nice. Um, in fact, most people at that bar seem to be coming in in the last twenty minutes of the game. There was a big rugby match, and Munster were playing Leinster mm. in the Celtic League. So I think that game, because this is kind of this is hurling, soccer, football, rugby country. There's there's a whole mix of sports going on down here. Um, but yeah, I got to watch it. Uh, <laughs> it. It was a really open game, it, and. Look, I think Liverpool deserved to win it but Villa had their chances and did not take them. Leon Bailey springs to mind, Ollie Watkins springs to mind although he did score a good header. Um, yeah, it was a fun fun game and the agent of chaos was was to the fore. Um, so
1: can we talk about this? Let's let's stop for a moment. Okay. This is not like sometimes in this sport in any sport you can see a thing developing right before your eyes. Like something that just sort of takes a hold of the public consciousness and becomes a focal point each and every game. It can be a player oftentimes. Darwin Nunez he's become a thing now. Like if you just oh, during that game, if you typed his name into Twitter, a billion tweets came up. You're crazy. And it's just like the the you know like Giazzi's artist's first touch. It became a thing among US soccer fans. Mm-hmm. Darwin Nunez's finishing ability, it's a thing now among Premier League fans. It just is. I mean... He's, what do you call You call him the agent of chaos? I think it's great. He's, well, he, he's he is that. He's involved in so much, which is great. It's so long but, since we did a
0: Premier League pod that you don't remember that you came up with the agent of chaos. Oh. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm very smart.
0: You are. Um, yeah, tonight there was... I mean, from the, from the get-go... Uh, In in the lead up to the first goal, um, the corner that that yielded the the first goal eventually, I mean, Allison plays this 25-yard absolute on a rope pass to Robertson. He's in behind. Uh, He centers. Now, initially, I thought Nunez was too far past the the near post and that he did the right thing in stepping over it. Maybe he could have had a shot. I'm not going to crush him for that one because Salah, Salah started a darting run and then kind of stopped, and if he kept going... He definitely would have scored. Um, but yeah, that was like, okay, he's already he's already doing his thing, and he had a couple of chances. Um, one ball that was sliced by the villa defender up into the air, and he's running in, and the ball, like Robin Olsen isn't coming out, and the ball's just hanging there. And you think, Alright, you have time to control this, or or and he goes to smash it on the volley and it like dribbles down his down his shin, like he shins it straight at, at Robin Olsen. You're like, ah. And then in the second half, Salah plays this brilliant ball into him. And I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen here. <laughs> and what happens is there's this delicious first touch, like so good. And he takes off. He absolutely streaks away because he's super quick. And he's one-on-one with the goalkeeper. And you think, go on. Drags it wide. <laughs> now, Football 365 had a good piece on him. Like, the you know, the the trouble he causes, defenders, like... The way he's always in, seems to be involved when the attack is going well, um, <clears throat> and they just said like he could have finished this game. He let, like Nunes, not him on his own, but he did leave Liverpool with some missed chances in a game that they should have been way out of sight in. Um, I
1: believe that the tally was he missed four, not just four chances, four big chances. I think is is the official statistic. I'm not.
0: I mean, that's that, up. that that's absolutely right, but I I don't. I mean, can't
1: have that. No, no, you for can't. a guy for a guy I, I, and I know it's not always fair to compare a player to his price tag. He didn't decide to be to cost that much. It's not necessarily his fault. But like missing four big chances for a player of that value playing that position is kind of unacceptable. Like he the reason I always say like he's all things to all people is because like you can watch him and sort of see whatever you want in his performances. He's involved in so much. Like that's what you want from your strikers and and from your attack-minded players to be involved in goal-scoring opportunities uh because eventually those chances will fall. They will start to go his way you would think at some point. But until until that happens, until he can until he cleans up his ability to finish, it's it's hard to watch when he gets the ball in goal-scoring chances.
0: Um the goal that Bacetich scored, the, the 18-year-old that came off the bench, the third goal. Mm-hmm. Can you can a touch be both good and bad at once? You know, you're saying all things to all men. The ball's whipped over the top to Nunes and he takes a touch and I think, is that a good touch? I don't know if it is and it seems like he's going to run out over the line but no, he keeps it in, cuts it back and in the end, Bacetich gets across and sticks it in the net and I'm like, has he done a good thing there? Yes. Was the touch that good? I don't know.
1: He took the scenic route, but
0: I mean, but he got there in the end. Yeah, and and like look, people will know on this podcast that I'm just like so unsure of myself. And and I don't really want to wade in because you just get like you, you just get destroyed by by the Pro Núñez camp. Um
1: I mean, you've never—that's never been a deterrent for you. You don't—you're never shying away from an argument.
0: i, 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 I usually don't, but but Keith Costigan, um, the commentator on Fox, who's who's a mm-hmm. really nice guy, good guy, I—I um, I suggested that Nunez was terrible in his cameo in the one-nil win against Man City a few months back, and he just crushed me. Like, I mean, the cordiality between us on Twitter was gone.
1: Oh, wow. Absolutely. Change the dynamic of your relationship is is what you're saying. Yeah.
0: I know this conversation is steaming towards some hot transfer news. So I just want to say before we do, the the opening goal is just a sensual goal, a beautiful goal. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, the ball's cleared. He finds himself in a central midfield position. And with the outside of his right boot, just like... uh, a Juan Sebastian Varane-esque pass finds Andy Robertson, who's now playing right back. <laughs> like, he's on the wrong side. And he delivers the cross straight to, to Salah, and it's in the back of the net. And you're like, when you see that, you're like, oh, oh, Liverpool are good. But conversely, Aston Villa still found ways to get at Liverpool, and a better team would have given Liverpool much more trouble tonight than than Villa did. That's all I'd say and uh, now we enter the a transfer has overshadowed the game portion of the podcast
1: this is stunning c- this is i, I found it. this absolutely stunning for a couple reasons one cody gackpo i was kind of under the assumption that this was manchester united's player to lose
0: done deal i thought
1: they, they well they lost him the second thing that i found stunning about it which we can talk about I don't know. Normally, J.J., when you get a young player... Like, Cody Gakpo's price tag before the World Cup was enormous. At least, I thought it was. Then the World Cup happened, and he more than fulfilled the hype that had surrounded him, which oftentimes will inflate a price tag, fairly or unfairly. We can make that determination on each of us on our own, but that's what happens at these major tournaments. And so a price tag that I thought was already enormous, that was going to be inflated off of a great World Cup... I thought, okay, we'll add X million to it. He goes for 37 million, which is, I mean, in this day and age, that's a steal for one of the great young players in Europe, unquestionably. There,
0: there, will, the, there will be add ons.
1: I'm sure there will, but in the meantime, uh, so I, I don't know. I haven't seen what the add ons are, but at the most, what, what does that get up to you? 50. Like, all right. Still more than reasonable for a young player like him who plays a, a, an attack position which is usually a more expensive position. Then the third part of this that's so stunning to me. Okay, so, like, I guess, I you know, United, I understand them going after him, even though they just recently got Antony. They also just lost Ronaldo, so I can see them wanting to bring in another attacking player. Liverpool, though. So let's go through this now, of what this looks like up front for them. Gakpo, Sala, Nunez, Jota, Diaz, Firmino. Uh, I know that there are some injuries there, but, like, that's six guys. Mm. I know depth is good. Like, oftentimes we'll say, okay, like, it's a, this is a good problem. Okay, sure. Like, if someone gets hurt, yeah, you you certainly have bodies to fill it with minimal drop-off. But there's going to be moments, J.J., where maybe Klopp has the personality to do it. He's great at man management, I suppose, and and his CV is such that you have to respect his decisions – but, like, yeah, it's a good problem to have. But there's going to be angry guys in that locker room. There just are. Like, every single one of those guys, with the possible exception of Firmino at this stage in his career. Um, but every one of those guys is going to think, I'm good enough to be starting for this team right now. And Klopp's going to have to manage that. And that is, that's that's going to be interesting. I don't—I mean, if I look at it right now, I say Sala, Nunez, and Gakpo are probably the preferred three. Um but we've seen Jota when he's healthy hit form where you can't not play him. But he's got to be he a, has,
0: I mean he's not in the picture he won't be for a long time. Yeah. Um I mean that's a that was a You see we
1: Wasn't it wasn't a season ender though.
0: I mean we, 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 how do you know?
1: Well, I was cuz I I I read. I'm well read. I was reading about his the outlook for how long him and and Luis Diaz are supposed to be is out it? for. Um, I mean, they're long term injuries, but uh, hang on, I'm I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, Diaz expected back. uh, Where is it? Here, you talk for a sec. Uh, Giotto is expected to be out until late January, early February is what I'm seeing at Talksport. Uh Luis Diaz uh expected to be out of action until March you see, after he suffered a setback in his recovery. Yeah,
0: so you see, that these setback- are
1: guys who there there's more games that they're gonna miss, but they're not they're not season enders.
0: Well I I think there's a couple of things to factor in. The first thing to factor in is that Liverpool are pretty tight to their chest about timelines and when players come back. We've seen that with Chamberlain regularly and we've seen it with Virgil van Dijk as well. So they don't like to really let the media know the extent of the timeline for injuries and when players can be expected back. That's the first thing. Um, I think So we were
1: lied to is what you're saying? No. No.
0: They'll just tell you what they want to tell you. So we don't know. We really don't know. And we don't know um, if there have been setbacks or if the extent of the injuries is worse than the medical team initially thought. Liars. <laughs> um, I'm surprised by this move. I really am. Um and that's not to say he's not a quality player, but to to gazump Manchester United in this way is... Yeah, I can't believe it. Um, I also think midfield is the area I really want to address. And now I'm not saying it won't be addressed in the summer with Bellingham, but I I am kind of surprised by this. And, and the other element that's been brought up is that this spending on big-name players you know, Nunez and now Gakpo is not really Liverpool. Not really. And is this anything to do with the gutting of the stats department? Not, I'm not saying they don't have stats guys, but Michael Edwards is gone and Ward is gone. And we know those two guys were were, were integral to what's happened in the last five, six years. Um, This was an interesting one from Mike L. Goodman. Whether or not he works out, Gakpo is not a guy that traditional analytics particularly ranks highly. Hmm. So if you go, a lot of the stats guys are, why? And
1: That is interesting because the stats of goals and assists, he does very well in.
0: Right. Um, and so far that's been in the Eredivisie. So we know that that doesn't always translate to the, the highest level. So so that, that will be one caveat. Um but I like you can you can list the exciting things that he does from the left He's hand. side. Just a side.
1: Dutch Josie Altador.
0: <laughs> no, um I mean, you know,
1: his his
0: his ability to take shots, his ability to put in quality crosses, um there's a lot of, of things uh to strings to his bow, but it it's such an obvious signing. You know, I didn't expect Liverpool to do it, but it's it's a guy who's been talked about around Europe, a number of clubs, with Manchester United lead, leading the pack, or at least we thought so. And now that Liverpool just come in out of nowhere and take him, this it's a very interesting signing.
1: Just off of extending Salah too and making him one of the top five highest paid players in the Premier League, they're throwing. I mean, they're they're moving money around right now, which is interesting because they're also supposedly a club for sale. Um,
0: they're also a club that needs to be in the Champions League next season, so I'm, I wonder how much their their bad start to the season is driving this kind of this this recruitment.
1: And I'll tell you too. I mean, I had kind of forgotten about it a little bit, but you just mentioned Bellingham a moment ago, and this the kind of foregone conclusion that he'll be there next season. I mean, what a thing for that. I mean the the you know the the regeneration of Liverpool if they come out you know if, if within a 5 month window signing the two arguably best young players in Europe um in Gakpo and Bellingham whew, I mean
0: let's not go patting ourselves on the back for Bellingham just yet
1: though th- that's fair but I'm just the arrows are pointing in that direction just interesting but I I don't know I was I I saw that news today and I was really stunned I had to reread it like I I had to make sure I wasn't misreading Liverpool United that it was a mistake because I don't know just I guess like you I thought if there was an area to improve it would be midfield especially after the money they just spent to re-sign Salah and buy Nunez I'm just I was trying to take some sort of meaning away from it okay who is it that Klopp doesn't trust does he not trust Jata to remain healthy is there a player among those six guys I mentioned that maybe he thinks can be converted into more of a midfielder Um, I don't know I was trying to read into it somehow but maybe it's just is what it is they just want to have as many great players as they can in goal scoring positions so it might just be that simple but pretty stunning stunning.
0: speaking of which Andrew most assists Premier League defenders um, with tonight's action Andrew Robertson is now on 54 he leads the pack in the Premier League era can you can you guess who second is?
1: Defenders, assists. Okay, so probably a fullback.
0: Yes. All all fullbacks, Andrew.
1: They're all yeah. Um, can you give me a hint? Are they still playing? No. Okay. Fullback.
0: Always seemed like he was going to go to Manchester United, but never did.
1: Hmm. It's an interesting hint. Uh, you got any others?
0: So, um, Andrew Robertson's on fifty-four. Number two, is fifty-three. Uh, it's well, I'll just say who it is. It's Leighton Bain. What what nationality? Oh, it's English. English. I nearly said it All-
1: there. I, I I talked over it, so I didn't hear. English, fullback assists, no longer playing. Um,
0: wasn't even a regular for England.
1: Ashley Cole?
0: No, Ashley Cole was most definitely a regular for England.
1: Yeah, he was a regular. Um, Wasn't a regular for England. Uh, Help me out.
0: Um, Played on the blue side of of Liverpool.
1: Leighton Baines? Yep. Wow. Yep. Hmm. I probably... I probably, thank you for that hint. I don't know that I would have gotten to that.
0: Yeah, number three is uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold on 45. Yeah. So, I mean, just goes to show you the the period of dominance those two fullbacks have had. And the the fourth one, number four, on 44 assists. Would never have got this, if you'd asked me. So, I don't think you will either. Any hint? Currently on NBC as a co-commentator. Lee Dixon? No, ex-Chelsea. Grand Mm. But if you factor in his Blackburn period plus his Chelsea period, kind of makes sense.
1: Hmm. How about that? How about that? Interesting. A little JJ trivia.
0: Yeah, I didn't have oh, I, I didn't have the music because it's late here. Uh, mu-
1: oh, there, there's a no- There's a, a noise ordinance in effect. <laughs> there's no, no music after three a.m. Yeah, no trumpets. Don't even think about it. Um let's see a couple other things to to wrap up with jj. uh you mentioned everton quickly i just want to say i mean those poor poor everton fans that just like they they love this club and they they're just being put through it. that was like to come out of the world cup break you think okay like here we go. like wolves have been awful. like maybe we can we can a new beginning. like let's go and it's just like it was just the most Everton of Everton performances. Uh, and they lose right at the death. Um, Triore plays in a ball. Potence. It was, I'm trying to remember now. Am I confusing the goals? He scored the first. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, Nori scored the, uh, the win. Yeah, yeah. Potence. In is, time.
0: The, the actual the, the equalizer for Wolves is really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's no. It's not to be for Everton as they, they lose to begin this portion of the season and Wolves in enormous need of, of victories of being able to string some wins together. They go and they get a tough one. I get, they're all going to be tough right now for where they are on the table, but uh, they needed it. And Lopetegui's reign uh, at Wolverhampton Wanderers begins on the right foot.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's worrying times for Everton. They're what, two points off the drop, Andrew. Um, and you know, um, they, they just don't look like they'll beat, like, who who are they going to beat? Who's going to score the goals? They're, they're one point off Wolves with 16 games played. um, They are only two points off Southampton who are rock bottom, and they're only a point ahead of Nottingham Forest in 19th. Like, it's tight down there.
1: This is who they are. I mean, in this this era that we're currently in for Everton, like they they are a relegation candidate. Every year is going to be a battle for them. That's was a, that's the space this club occupies right now.
0: I know, but but now the goodwill is all ebbed away from the summer. It's all gone, and you hear the booze ringing out. It's I I I don't know what they do. I mean, you could argue if Anthony Gordon takes his chances, a really really good save. Um, was it? I can't. I, I, um, yeah, he was played in. It was the second half. And I mean, he should have slotted at home. Um, no, it was the first half, actually. And that would have made such a difference. And it's not like th- there wasn't a huge difference like in, in the XGs between the two teams. Just like Wolves just sucker punched them right at the end. Andrew, if we're doing our, our you fear for them to table, I'm really fearing for, for Frank Lampard right now.
1: Agreed. Totally agree. For his job, you mean?
0: um just general fear just for the whole situation it's a situation of fear andrew i mean they are relegation fodder written all over them
1: now fortunately for them they're one of many there are there are several clubs that look very capable of going down this year and it could be another one much like last season it could be another one of these just be the least bad
0: God, you Andrew, can just be that. God, Andrew Southampton stank today um, in their South Coast derby defeat to Brighton. They were just they were rank. And again, I've got to take my take my lumps. I was campaigning for Gavin Bazuno to be number 1 at a Premier League team. And he he didn't look good on the first goal today. I know he's a young keeper, but like young keeper, terrible defense. A manager whose name I don't know. I mean, we are ticking some boxes here for for Southampton to finally um, end their most recent stay in the top flight.
1: I mean, they've been teetering. Uh, <sighs> they were one of my predicted three earlier this season to go down. Um, so I, w- I would worry about them. Um, just looking at it, you know, them playing Brighton, a, a, a nation's new obsession with Alexis McAllister just generally curious. So this was something also that uh, Eric Ten Hag spoke about regarding Lissandro Martinez, um you know, Ten Hag was kind of of the <laughs> to hear him was funny. He was like, yeah, this was this is a great thing that he achieved for his country. Uh, it's an unbelievable achievement. We're very proud, but also our the Premier League begins on the 27th. So like he was kind of like okay get it out of your system cuz like the job job's not done. Um I was thinking about that McAllister Martinez Christian Romero um when is it when is the appropriate time where we should say all, r- all right guys like enough like let's get back to work here.
0: I mean do you, is there any danger? I mean I guess Unai Emery did talk to uh, the media and suggest that he'll have a little word with Martinez about some of his celebrations, which have veered into the...
1: Uh, Patrick Vieira w- didn't mince any words about what he thought of them.
0: What did he say? I mean, I... Yeah, pull it up there say? because, okay, so just to fill people
1: Disgusting. in... Disgusting. I mean, he he had strong language. I'll find it for you.
0: Okay, well, I, I want to differentiate between Mar- what Martinez has done and then what Argentinian fans have taken way too far, burning effigies of Mbappe... Um, just a general fairly sinister undertones to to those celebrations, Um, regardless of what Mbappe said about the structures of South American football versus the competitive nature of international football in Europe, regardless of what advantages he thinks European players have playing in these structures prior to the tournament, those words should not be the reason for some of the unsavory sights we've seen. I think Martinez really... so Emi Martinez, in his celebrations, uh, well, no, immediately after the game, he he hugged and embraced Mbappe, and um, yeah, and then and then kind of just proceeded to enter in a, a few days worth of trolling. Uh, he, he you know in the dressing room when they were dancing, he did this. Oh, let's have a minute silence for Mbappe, which okay, all right, that, that became part of the song, and then he had a baby. On the on the open top bus with Mar- with um, Mbappe's face on it. Now I don't know whether the, the crowd threw that to him or not, but you know there was just a. Yeah, he just lost the run of himself, and you know, young guys, <laughs> yeah. young guys drink celebrations. It happens, but. Emmy um, Martinez strikes me as a guy you meet on holiday, right? And you think he's tremendous fun the first night you meet him. And then you kind of you swap numbers and say, yeah, let's hang out again. And then every other night after that, it's the same thing. And it gets so old. And by the end of the vacation, you're like, I never want to speak to this guy again.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, they were a sentimental favorite, primarily for Leo Messi reasons. Then they went and did it and won it. And then the dust kind of settled. And we've been able to all watch this unfold. And in the end, it's kind of like, they're a little tough to root for at times. <laughs> There's not, I mean, I'm glad for Messi. like, you know, his, his persona with the exception of the veg horse LVG stuff, which I actually didn't necessarily mind just for the general nah. heat and intensity of that game as a whole. Um, but you know, he's the public face of Argentina. Um, but like, he's not an accurate public face of, of Argentina. Like his stoic, his stoicism, um, you know, kind of the way he carries himself is a little bit different. Um, But, like, back to the original question. Well, actually, no, before we get back to that, JJ, I do have... I was a little harsher with the words I thought Vieira used than what he actually said, but he was asked about Emmy Martinez. He said, uh, some of the pictures I saw from the Argentina goalkeeper I think take away a little bit what Argentina achieved at the World Cup. I don't think they really needed that. You can't control sometimes people's emotional decisions, but that was a stupid decision, I think, for Martinez to do that. I was really disappointed. Uh, Vieira, of course, being French, um, so maybe there's a little bit more of a a personal connection to his feelings on it, as opposed to maybe a neutral fan. But I think a lot of neutral fans out there feel much the same way about some of Emmy Martinez's antics. And some people will say, we need to stop yelling at clouds that, you know,
0: yep. True. And um, a guy have fun. Yep, Yeah. I guess. Um, I think he should probably, Yeah, I actually, I think, you know, he used his gold golden glove award as a phallic symbol. Um, sure did. And, uh, I think once he'd done that, I think someone should have had a word, listen, enjoy yourself, but just remember in this day and age, all of this is forever, okay? (laughs) It's not going anywhere. The internet is like Pepperidge Farms. It remembers. Pepperidge Pepperidge Farm remembers. Remembers when you (laughs) used your Golden Glove Award like a penis.
1: But as for when these guys, when it's appropriate for them to return, you know, I was thinking about it. Like Christian Romero, for example. So he didn't play, I think, for like a month and a half for Tottenham leading up to the World Cup break. Then he played every second of the World Cup. And now he's not playing again for Tottenham. And like at a certain point, you have to start to scratch your head and be like, dude, okay, like good for you, happy for you, but also like priorities. This is the club that pays you.
0: Andrew, if you drank as much Fernet con Cola as I as I fear many of these Argentinians did, you wouldn't be fit to move either. So, I'm handing them a pass.
1: I'll give them I'll give them January 1st. Like enjoy yourselves, but when that when that calendar turns over, it's time, guys. Okay? <laughs> like you'll, you'll have these memories forever. This is great. Uh, but like we got to get back to work, all right? So I'll give them the the rest of the week I think that's more than fair. Okay, that's like a two week binge that I'm allowing them. But then it's back to work. Um, one other one, JJ. Actually, two other ones quickly. I don't have much on the game. I just want to say Tim Ream scored his first Premier League goal today. Uh, what it was a great goal. one! I mean, he hit. Uh, did you see i cl- I'd like to see a clock on how fast that ball was hit. I mean, he smashed the F out of that thing into the net. That had to be going at least seventy miles. It was, an hour. It was
0: such a sharp turn; um, it was wonderful. And he, he he buried it from close range. He roofed it. Um, yeah, great for him. And um, Fulham looked really good again. And Palace did. Palace looked like they still were on a, on extended break.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, not good for them. Another one of these teams that maybe kind of, sort of, could be one of those many relegation candidates that we're talking about palace but for fulham eighth up to eighth in the table positive goal differential after today 22 points ahead of chelsea who are in ninth currently um two games at hand but still just like this is this is spectacular stuff um the uh yeah i was wondering too with uh with ream getting that first premier league goal um the uh the u.s soccer player of the year nominees I'm just wondering like so Reem is he's in there now I believe it's uh, for the men Adams Pulisic Anthony Robinson Matt Turner and Tim Ream I just I can't help but wonder for how important he was for Fulham to get back into the Premier League for now the job he's done since Fulham have returned to the Premier League scored a goal today before the end of the year Played his way back into Bearhalter's plans for a World Cup. Then played every minute at the World Cup and played really well. I mean, look, Adams is going to be hard to beat because of the emerging as the U.S. captain and playing really well at club level for Leeds. You know, I don't think it can be Pulisic because yeah. I don't just I just don't think he's played enough at the club level this year. Uh, Matt Turner, kind of the same as a backup at Arsenal. I'll tell you what, man. In the end, I think it's probably going to be. I guess Anthony Robinson's got a shot. You know, I've always talked about how important he is, but I don't, I don't know. It's probably going to be Adams. If I had a vote though, which I should, I think it's an abomination that I don't, Ah, man, I'd sit, I would stare at the paper for a while considering Reem. I really would. I can't help it.
0: That is the weakest strong point you've ever made. I'll tell you, if I had a vote, I would think hard about that vote.
1: Um, Think of what you, how did you view Tim Reem a year ago at this time? He was a total afterthought. He has played his way into deep consideration for being the U.S. soccer men's player of the year. I would give it to him. That's a, incredible. I would
0: give it to him immediately. I wouldn't. I I think I, I totally agree well, this with from you.
1: From a guy who a month ago said Tyler Adams is the best player on, in the on the U.S. Yeah,
0: and he is, but that's not what this is for. This is for Player of the Year. It's not for best. player. Well, a lot player. of
1: what Adams did happened in the last year.
0: Look, I I'm I can't. I can't do this conversation. I re- I really can't do this conversation. Um, I'd ha- four a.m. now by the way, in case I, yeah, you were keeping track. Yeah, four a.m. I'd happily give it to him. Happily, I think he deserves it, and and for all the reasons you you outlined, um, he's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant.
1: Yeah, I love it. I hope you know what you, he got my vote. He got my vote. I'd vote. I'd vote Ream. The
0: vote I'd that vote U.S. Ream. soccer won- won't give you.
1: No, no. All right. They got no use for my opinions. <laughs> That won't stop me from having them. Finally, JJ Newcastle. They're up to second now on the table. Um, I want to read first this tweet and then another one, but first this tweet from Rob Usry, uh, who's a good follow on, on Twitter for a lot of things, Atlanta United FC and us soccer. But he said, uh, Joseph and Miggy together was something way more special than we really knew at the time. We were unbelievably lucky to get to experience it. Joseph Martinez and Miguel Almirón playing together in MLS. Um, So uh, he he's both right and wrong. Like he's right, I think that combo will be looked upon as one of the all-time great MLS combos with those two players. But I think he's wrong a little bit because I I do think that in real time we understood how great that was. I I guess maybe not to the extent that Almiron would go on and do with the things he's doing right now in the Premier League. But I mean, like they were an all-time great duo. Um, they, they, when they were playing together at their peak,
0: they were. But I think the latter years of of Joseph Martinez and the the recent years of Almiron, you know, that has kind of shaded things a little bit. Um, but the recent form, unbelievable. And the goal today was so good. It's so good. Um, now, granted, Leicester were poor, and they didn't get a shot. I think a shot on target until like the eighty second minute. But that Almiron goal, I, I, I'm talking about goals of the season with Salah. That's right up there. The w- brilliant one, too, with uh, Guimaraes. Runs through just such a good finish. Um,
1: if the Premier League handed out a most improved player award, I mean, is it unanimous, Miguel Almiron?
0: Yeah, it is. Right? Um, it's such an insulting award, though. <laughs> it's just,
1: hey, you were kind of
0: rubbish, but now you're great. Um I also think that like Eddie Howe being there, better players being brought to the club, and a general, a general correct usage of Almiron, like, it can't have been good for a player like him under Steve Bruce. It just can't. Um, well, that
1: was the other tweet I wanted to read. Go on. It came from uh, a Twitter account called At CO Soccer Pod. Mm-hmm. They tweeted, repeat after me, what a job Eddie Howe is doing. I can tell you, it was JJ Devaney at the keyboard when those words were written, and you have been slow. I would say I'm not. This is not an indictment, but you have been a little bit slow. I think in giving Howe credit, partially because of the way you view what Newcastle are now. Mm. Um, I think you, you just you don't you just don't like them.
0: Um, no, Andrew. So, like that is just. I mean the truth. If, no, the truth. No, 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 no. You don't get to do that. Make up stuff. I oh, okay. I have nothing against uh, Newcastle per se. The the, the organisation of the club and the way it's now owned by the state of Saudi Arabia is very problematic. It's it, it, come on.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. I to don't feel the way like you feel. them. You don't Jeez, like them. So it's okay. You're one of. <laughs> I'm sorry. Christ, if you if don't you're going to keep me up crazy. at four
0: a.m. for this, like I will literally walk. Out, I will. I will walk out on you right now. I mean, that.
1: don't you did, come on now. That wouldn't be in the spirit of Christmas. What if another object <laughs> falls from the ceiling and crushes me? Who's going to ble- who's going to call the police to tell them I'm in danger? Well, will
0: you allow me to clarify the tweet? First of all, um, it was half in jest and half serious. So, the, the, the you know, we have all these football and cliches and phrases. And one of them is what a job, insert manager's name, is doing at a club. And it's usually like some old football guy on Soccer Saturday saying, you know, what a job Eddie Howe is doing. And I, I, I'd counted up the how many what a jobs Eddie Howe is doing since I've landed. I'm up to four. So um, a journalist on Twitter, uh, uh, two different people on Sky Sports, and Alan Shearer tonight on BBC. What a job Eddie Howe is doing. That's the joke part. Um, the second part is I actually think he is doing a good job. Albeit with two hundred odd million spent, but
1: well, l- hold on. No, see now no, this because is where here I need we to go.
0: Here's here's where we go into uh, why. Well, the the key players have been Almiron. He wasn't bought then. A key no, player has let, been Joe I mean, Linton. Look at the he lineup that they started then.
1: to look at the lineup that they started today. JJ mm-hmm. Almiron, Joe Linton, Chris Wood, Sean Longstaff, Joe Willick, Bruno Guimaraes, Kieran Trippier, Dan Byrne, Fabian Schär, Sven Botman, Nick Pope. Right, like. Okay, so a couple of those players were expensive. But that this team to be doing what they're doing right now. I mean, they are way overperforming the talent on that roster. Andrew, they are. They just are.
0: Andrew, they have one of the, the Europe's top performing fullbacks, Kieran Trippier. Go, uh-huh. Right? They have brought in Sven Botman, the center back who's been excellent for them. They have they beat to the punch some of the top clubs in Europe for Bruno Guimarães. J J, put, outside, put outside.
1: this, put that eleven against the elevens of Liverpool, Chelsea, United, Spurs. I mean, City. Like they're overperforming right now. All those teams. Okay, and I, okay. I don't care how much, how expensive okay. some of these guys are. They're not talent for talent. They're not close to those teams. Okay. They're not.
0: Okay, cool, fine. It can be both things, and it is both things. It's money and it's Eddie Ho.
1: Sure. Yeah, look, it doesn't happen by accident. I understand they had to spend to get some of these guys, but like, not to the extent that other clubs have. They've spent
0: two hundred million since they've been bought out, like over two hundred million, well over two hundred million. Like, what are we talking about here? And they've taken, they've they've taken one of football's foremost, um, we'll say, sporting directors from Brighton in Dan Ashworth. Like, and it's happened because they've been bought. By the PIF of so- of Saudi Arabia,
1: like ooh. that eleven is not a second place eleven. They are way outperforming the talent of the players at their disposal, and that is a that is a tip of the hat to the manager who's getting the most out of them, and to these players who are like Joe Ellington has re- he's completely revived his career. Almiron has revived his career. Dan Byrne has become a star in this league. You know, like it's it's incredible what's going on there and it's probably only going to get it's probably only going to take off from here for the reasons that you're suggesting that they have now had this cash infusion injected into them and they're gonna they're gonna kick on and they're gonna spend a lot i
0: mean what do you mean they're going to they're second in the table tonight a year ago andrew they were they were second from bottom um incredible yeah now you know like it's 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 so much easier, and it's such a nicer conversation, much more festive, you know. To to talk about what a job Eddie Howe is doing, and that's why why most people are doing it. But you know, it's it's not just that; it's two things.
1: Chris Wood started at center forward tonight.
0: Mm, he did.
1: Second place team. All right. Incredible. Okay. Incredible. Um, anything else?
0: No, no, no. I, I, I honestly think there is so much football coming up now. We'll probably do another podcast this week on Thursday. So, what a job Andrew Gundling is, do, is doing! That's what I, I want to finish on. Except, by
1: the way, I'll fin- I'll finish on this little bit of news that I just saw. Oh, actually, we mentioned Tim Ream, thirty-five-year-old <laughs> Ream, today after. You talk about one of the all-time great days in in a player's life. He's 35. You think his career is winding down. Only now, today, he scores his first goal in the Premier League. And he just also received an extension with the club through the 23-24 season. I mean, this guy, he's having one of the all-time years.
0: He he certainly is. Um, I know what he deserves. I love
1: it. it. I can't get enough of it. I think think I need a a ream... U.S. jersey.
0: I've only ever heard good things about him from his time at Red Bulls all the way through. And you know, it's been a circuitous path. Starts in MLS, goes to the Premier League, gets relegated with Bolton, ends up then being, for most of his career, a kind of a championship player, on-off Premier League player. And then at the end, he's having this Indian summer. I wish we all could live like
1: that. Spectacular. Um, Is there anything else that I can bring up to keep you awake longer?
0: Jesus Christ, you got to let me sleep. This is outrageous.
1: I'm sure there's some bits of MLS news that I could probably (laughs) dig up if you don't laugh at that.
0: I would sail a boat all the way just to slap you in the The draught.
1: We haven't had a pod since the draft.
0: I'm going to bury you under another television if you don't let me go.
1: this was this was hugely fun i missed the world cup so much but this is still also amazing talking about the premier league with you i enjoy it so much uh we'll be in touch during the week jj of course Uh, there's a lot of games still to happen over the next few days so if we didn't get to your team specifically out there today i'm talking to you united fans chelsea fans city fans um don't worry don't worry there's there's time for all of you guys okay we'll get to everyone we'll get to everyone uh hey jj go get some sleep for god's sake what are you doing awake at this hour enough already what are you trying to prove you trying to impress us god hey this was fun man to you i say
0: what a job jj Devaney is doing i'll see you take care
1: you've been listening to the caught offside soccer podcast